The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mark Cranach shortly. As uh, Cranach uh, working through, well, uh, what a lot of us have been, and that's the, the gunk that is going around. And uh, can join us this morning, different ways to do so, as uh, we're streaming and uh, can watch the show live if you feel like doing that at 7.07 a.m. Central Time uh, on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. It's where you can watch the show. can always listen on ESPN Lincoln, of course, and find us there on Facebook and Twitter, ESPN Lincoln. Uh, follow the show, Hail Varsity Radio, at H Varsity Radio, another way to access the show as uh, we stream video-wise live on Twitter. Of course, catch uh, Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, uh, weekday morning 7 to 9. You can watch uh, Coffee and Cream on the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter handle. You can email the show, Chris at HailVarsity.com, and give us a shout at 466-3776-800-825-5865. Elijah, how long has this week felt? I ask that because a week ago Saturday, uh, we're just kind of diving in, talking a little recruiting, reacting to the week that was. And all of the following has transpired this week. You got the retention of Coach Raiola, the hiring of Tony White, uh, Nebraska Creighton last Sunday. It's big. It, it's a big portal official visit weekend for Nebraska. You've likely lost Ernest Hausman to Iowa, and oh yeah, Husker volleyball completed a season uh, in in shocking fashion. Uh, you're used to Nebraska. Uh, death taxes and the elite eight uh, as they fell to a really good Oregon team in a in a classic match but uh, that's all happened within the span of a week as uh, we make our way to December it's Heisman Saturday it's Army Navy and then uh, we're not far off from bowl season starting uh, buckle up right <laughs> well it's been get, ba- it's been back get to ready back. to go back to back long weeks but and I think that's just the way things go whenever you know there's a coaching change made uh, and I guess that also comes with the territory whenever you're working in radio. I mean, just the fact that, huh? you know what, every day is going to have what feels like the end of the world type news for Husker fans, apparently, uh, with, oh, it's a 3 3 5, or, oh, it's a new, or it's the same offensive line coach, or 
so-and-so is entering the portal. It almost feels like the sky's falling down just about every single day for uh, for Husker fans. And I'm obviously being a little bit dramatic here for a, mm-hmm. a point. But uh, that's the way a coaching search goes. It's, it comes with a lot of change. And uh, every single day it feels like there's been change and there's been reaction. And it's going to keep on rolling, Schmidt. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take a vacation in December. Or... January, I guess I should say, with no, uh, with Christmas no and New Year's. Th- <laughs> no such thing. Uh, no need for vacation. Brando's up and rocking already this morning. Says, good morning, Chris and Elijah. Let's get a basketball win today. Totally uh, agree with that, man. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, growing up, it was always uh, pretty much on the calendar, more so a, a February-type uh, adventure with Danny Nee and the boys getting a, a big win over a Missouri, knocking off a highly ranked Kansas or Oklahoma State. That always kind of start that that push into March and finding your way to a 9 through 11 seed, except for 1990, <laughs> uh, where Nebraska was a three seed. But, hey, number four comes in, uh, and Nebraska's been on on a bit of a tear when it comes to uh, taking down top five teams. I kind of joke. I mean, you're 1-0 you're in the, the last two weeks, and uh, Fred and the gang are ready to go. That's a 115 tip-off at PBA, and uh, Fred's going to have the pizza ready uh, for all the Nebraska basketball fans, the student sections. So uh, be, be loud, be proud, get there, and enjoy. So, you know, the, the thing that's dominated – this week has been the retention of uh, Donnie Raiola and then coupling that with Tony White and and the hesitation to blindly buy in uh, to this new fangled or at least new to the Big Ten 3-3-5 defensive alignment. I'm, I'm fascinated by it, and we spent a little bit of time yesterday on it and I think you nailed it, uh, the term being trust issues. Uh, you're excited as a Nebraska fan that, uh, okay, well, some of you, with, with Coach Rule being hired. There's also been blowback on him being the hire, right? So there's just all sorts of trepidation, uh, careful footing being chosen by Nebraska fans right now just because you don't want to get hurt. You, you want it to work so bad. You want it to be like it used to be, where you're a high-level program that wins most of your ball games and uh, plays good defense, is really sound and explosive on offense, and you're not a mess on special teams. And, and right now, uh, you need to see it before, before you believe it, and I totally understand that, totally get it. But uh, right now, as I... Uh, ballpark this thing i i get uh riola i i I do uh and just kind of some of the feedback we got from henry lutowski yesterday as he joined the show uh they're ready to work they really seem attached to him they were all attached to greg austin but i think they like the the mentality that a guy like riola has brought he's a man of few words with his media settings which is totally fine and he's super intense. He's going to work you. And I think that the, the biggest thing, if you're to ask about uh, faith and hope, right, if you're a Nebraska fan with the rule era, with this thing working out, is that I think you're going to have communication 
and direction uh, from the top on down. And there's a vision, there's a plan. Here's what will be implemented. And Elijah, you and I talk a lot off of offensive line, and that is your key to success. And I, I look at the fact that you're going to have a set of eyes from rule, probably some hands-on work from rule. Ed Foley's no stranger to the offensive line. I know he's your special teams coach, but uh, there's two more eyeballs. And then you have Raiola doing his thing. That's three people to help perfect this offensive line. And you're going to have a former Georgia fullback and Coach Campbell uh, that will make sure all the big guys are in uh, big-time shape. So you put that equation together, I think it's okay to be optimistic for Nebraska's offensive line. And the fourth part of this thing is uh, Satterfield. I think you're going to have a pretty sound plan. Satterfield's the the, the guy that, that huddled up with Rule on this thing. Hey, what do you think of Donnie? He's done an interview. Uh, he sat down with us for an hour. Here's his vision. Here's what he wants from the offensive line. Here's what he knows. Here's what worked for him at Wisconsin when he was a great player on that offensive line for Barry Alvarez. He knows one thing, and that's probably to kick ass uh, and be physical and fire off the ball. So I think this Raiola hire, to, to rewind for a second, it, it had a lot of, it had a lot of uh, votes to get, right? Obviously the head coach, the final vote, but Satterfield and then Knowing rule, he's checking around, and then it comes down to that in-person impression. And uh, moving forward, it wasn't a settle as much as, I think this dude can work, and my history helps me develop coaches as well as players. And that's how you got that decision on Tuesday. Well, and, and how many coaches have we talked to, Schmitty, that say, you know what, it's not coaches uh, that that are really getting the job done on the field. It's, it's players that go make their their coaches look very smart by going out and performing. So that's why I think less so the the importance of of Ryle and Satterfield and, and and the coaching staff that rules assemble. I think that's very important. But what's really important is how are those guys going to be able to recruit on a huge recruiting weekend like this weekend is with. 17 official visitors in town checking out the uh, the campus, checking out the University of Nebraska. How are those guys able to go out there, recruit, and, and get some more talent in this this team as a whole? Because I think that's what's really important right now to be able to push, especially along the offensive line, these guys that have been a starters for a couple seasons. You need guys that have real talent that, though they might not be starters, they're going to push these starters and make these starters worry every single day about their starting job throughout an entire offseason, throughout an entire fall camp, and, and push those guys to be great. And I think last offseason we saw just a little bit of that, but injuries kind of decimated the uh, the offensive line. and. Um, by the end of the season, you were running out of real true competition for these guys to be able to, to be pushing them from behind. It was more, well, who is left to it's, it's the walking wounded was the offensive line at times last season. So what kind of talent can you bring in? And I look at the offensive line in particular because of, of that's where you really need a lot of talent. But now with the three, three, five defense coming in kind of defensive lineman, can you go get in the transfer portal and, and, uh, and change the makeup of that defensive line and make it better fit a three-three-five. At least that's what I think is probably going to be needed to make this thing work in the Big Ten. And that's where it all starts. So how can these guys get out and recruit? Because the, the players are going to make the coaches look smart if they get plugged into the system and they are instant fits within the system and they can be instant contributors at Nebraska. It's going to make the, the coaches look a lot smarter than they are and it's going to be able to supplement the, the, the talent that you already have on the roster. There is some talent on the roster. needs a needs a, a supplement, a, a little spark of something to uh, to push this team a little bit further and, and make it fit the rule uh, 
Tony White Satterfield vision. So uh, I'm curious to see what what Nebraska's roster looks like post this weekend, a, a huge recruiting weekend for Nebraska. It is. And, I mean, Nebraska's lost, what, 11 or 12 into the portal. Uh, that's not completely awful. Not great. But I, I will say that when you retain Riola, uh, you eliminated more uh, abandoning of the ship, right? I, I honestly believe, uh, and Henry laid it out yesterday, there's a clip on, on Hale Varsity Radio that's up on Twitter uh, of Lutowski talking about the, his portal decision, right? Uh, there's... Uh, a boatload of teams that are reaching out to talent. There's a boatload of teams that are probably tampering with talent. And Henry is a a pretty loyal guy and isn't going anywhere. I don't know that that's the case if you don't retain a guy like Donnie Raiola. I think there's a high probability that and I'm speaking for these guys, I've not gotten direct messages from them, <laughs> but um, the uh, reality is you you lose a guy like, like Raiola, then who's to say you keep all those guys that are now COVID juniors or redshirt juniors, right? Do you lose a guy like Corcoran who you're looking to see him play his best football? You've had an injured Teddy Prohaska, that, man, once he can stay right, will be super talented. Uh, at the guard spots, uh, you've got Nuri back for next season. You have Henry as an option. You've got Piper. Uh, ben Hart has been here a long time, going into a fourth year, and a guy that uh, he'll continue to grind. I know he's taken arrows, but he'll keep trying to get better, and at least you have some continuity with, uh, with keeping a guy like Raiola, and, uh, you, again, you, you factor in uh, all the eyeballs that have really good offensive line experience along with him, and I think that's a decent recipe for a better offensive line next year. Let's bring in Mark Cranack. Cranack with us here in his Husker Den. Morning, sir. We're just talking the week that's been with Riola and Tony White, Creighton uh, getting whacked by Nebraska, the portal, and Husker volleyball. We're, we're still on the Riola uh, decision, but uh, it's been a it's been a good week uh, of Nebraska topics, Mark. And we'll start and get your reaction to Riola before you can kick us off with Tony White. I mean, it obviously has to be the most surprising news out of any of them, yep. out of any of the uh, calls. That was the one coach that you figured probably wouldn't happen, just because Nebraska's offensive line has not been very good. Duh, right? <laughs> However. You do have to look at it and figure out, okay, well, why would he? Why would he bring him back? You know, and, I'm, and apologies if you've already covered this, but my Wi-Fi was about as good as Nebraska's run game this morning. I tried to You're restart good. it. And it, just, <laughs> it, was fourth, it was third and short, and uh, uh, he got stuffed in the line. Tri- no fumbled yeah. and fumbled. <laughs> yeah. He had tripped over his shoestrings, and, you know, here we are. Not uh, anymore. <laughs> You know, no, you're right. Yeah, tripped right into the portal. Um, so look, it's it, it it wasn't an obvious choice, but if if so, why would he do it? He must have come in and seen something. He must have not only just in the interview, but he must have seen something that I think we all saw 
which was an offensive coordinator and a head coach and an offensive line and the play calls not all being a fit, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, you remember Frost early on, and it's true. It's true if you go back and look at it when he was just like, he was basically saying the run plays that were being called right now are just ridiculous. Like we're not even trying. Basically, we're just running. We're calling the most basic run plays. We need to cooperate better. Well, ah, and then you know Frost got fired, so he didn't get to see it through. But it, it's it's. I don't believe that Whipple took advantage. I don't. I don't believe he had. He called run plays. And and stitch things together to fit his offensive line, where the guys were firing off the ball, and being super physical. And so I just don't think that don't, there wasn't a mesh between the offensive coordinator, the offensive line, and what they do well. That's probably that's probably it. That's probably where Rule was like, this isn't even Rayola's fault, mm-hmm. right? He's he's a young guy. He's physical. Like let's, let's give him a shot. You know, he comes highly recommended. That that has to be it. That has to be it. Um, so, I don't know. I it's surprising, but I don't think we should be all pissed about it. No, <laughs> Some exactly. people are pissed about it. Like, yeah, you know, it'd be great if John Madden came through and did it, but you know, he's he's not coming. So, give it a whirl, <laughs> see what happens. Totally agree. And you to your point about same page, and from the top on down. I mean, Whipple's whip, and, and he's going he's gonna to do things his way. He did things his way. Uh, doesn't matter if he were the head coach or a young offensive line coach. He was going to emphasize his offense, and that was pro-style passing attack, and yeah. it looked really good uh, when it came to, to being aggressive against Iowa. It, it kept you uh, within striking distance of Purdue. You were leading against Illinois. Uh, you put a sweet drive together uh, with with Chuba against Minnesota, but then you you really got on some lean times because there was no way to well to be balanced first and foremost. Moon Boot Seven says Whipple's play calling was fine. We uh, sucked at the run and couldn't fix it this season with everything else going well, on. It's a chicken or the egg conversation here. Of <laughs> yeah, do they suck at the offensive line because they can't run? Or, or they do they bad? suck at the offensive line because the, the offense is not calling plays that are conducive to how the offensive line likes to play? And there's uh, the chicken or the egg argument that we may never know. The, the run game could have been a little We'll know a little better. more next week, next year. Yeah, We'll know the, a little the, more next year. The, I'm, just the saying, game I'm not saying this was the been right a lot decision. Better. I'm saying this was probably why the decision was made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, the, right? you're, you're, you're given like, the why. Yeah, who 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 on? It's, I don't think any of us are sitting on here like, dang it, Riola is clearly the best person for the position. Like nobody's making that claim. We're just trying to say, well, why did it happen then? Probably because of this reason, <laughs> right? I mean, mm. who, you know, I don't I don't know. I literally don't know a single Nebraska fan that was like, I don't know. But if this uh, if this rule guy doesn't keep Riola the hell is he doing like <laughs> i literally heard that from nobody like you, nobody you heard it you heard it for 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 barrett rude you heard it uh more so for bill bush and and pre uh, alleged incident you heard it about mickey joseph so that's where things are at cranak are, are you uh concocting a pretty awesome saying 
for uh, for Tony White. You're always good with uh, with taglines in this three three five defense. I mean, that's the that's been the other freak out this week. Oh, geez, don't don't take don't walk me there. <laughs> Stop. No. Well, I, I think there's, not, a, there's no. a huge question with both these, Mark, not to cut you off, but both offensively and defensively. The, the question with both these guys, and I think a lot of Husker fans, is are these guys bringing a like-for-like like of where they were with, with Satterfield on offense and with White on defense? Because Satterfield on offense, I mean, it's not act like the South Carolina rushing attack was very vaunted last season either. They're averaging you know, 100, they found a way. 123 yards per game, 3.8 yards per carry. When you compare that to Nebraska – 123 yards point per game, 3.5 per carry. So South Carolina was just slightly more efficient. So, question is, is is like, is that going to be adjusted for the Big Ten to make it work in the Big Ten? It's the same question with the defense too. Is the 3-3-5 going to be adjusted to make it fit the Big Ten? Because the way it was run at at, at Syracuse, I should say, sorry, wasn't a direct fit for the Big Ten. So, are, are these systems going to be tinkered with to make it work? I think that's a, a big question this week. Yeah, and it's a fair question, and you have to assume that answer is yes, because if you're saying you're going to be physical and you're going to value the trenches, one for one, both offensively and defensively from those coordinators can't happen, just period. Nebraska doesn't have Spencer Rattler at quarterback that waves off all run plays anyways. I think that's going to help. That's true. That's not true. I didn't watch any South Carolina games, but I would imagine he, he would do that sort of thing. I. I like defensively the reaction that you're hearing from Syracuse and their players, right? Like that's, that's the thing that I took biggest note of is they're pretty pit. They're like, damn, we're losing Tony mm-hmm. white. Like none of them are like, good. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Like what, which is what they are doing with Satterfield to some degree in South Carolina. Right? Like, mm. I mean, really the, the, the response was very mixed with Tony white and Syracuse universally the the fan base the players they're all just like damn that dude's good like we're, we're losing him you know so that's that's something to keep uh, keep an eye on and think about this too he, yeah. with with satterfield right cranach to your point it, it's a different reaction and think about how he ended it was let's put up 63 on tennessee Let's go win in Death Valley, 31-30. to 30. They were clicking. Right. You want to talk about walking out on a standing O with the way your offense yeah. is performing? He totally did it. And South Carolina fans like, good, take him. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, that's unheard of. You, uh, you, you get to eight wins. You, you crank out two of the best wins in college football where you, you go win against Clemson. You have two top seven wins. And the reviews have been mixed for South Carolina. I love the back and forth that's going on with the pro and anti Whipple. And there's not a lot of pro Whipple folks out there. But I get if you are uh, when it comes to designing or assigning blame to uh, the ills of the Nebraska offense. And it is chicken or egg with run game balance. Whipple's not going to call a run because they can't run it well. Whipple needs to. We needed to call more runs because uh, they they get better if they do it right. So how much of it was emphasized? Uh, it, it's interesting because it's just going to be a, another round and round argument here with uh, what turned out to be a four and eight season. But we're focusing here on Tony White. I'm excited because I think you're going to element of 
well, aggression, first and foremost. You're going to get uh, some guys that uh, will be recruited and coached up. That's the plan. But I think there there are some really good athletes, guys, on this team, on this roster that White's going to walk into. And I think uh, specifically Wright and, uh, and, and Gifford are two guys, man, that are, are hybrids that I think can thrive in this defense. But you don't need any more linebackers going anywhere. And you need your defensive linemen that have been in the program uh, to stay in the program. And that's key to have a guy like Robinson and Feast uh, figure it out and uh, have some steps taken forward here by by, uh, the polar bear uh, right now. Uh, And then see what you can get from some of the young guys that have been in the program a while. You really don't have a front seven anymore, but you need something from a front six moving forward. Yeah, and, and yeah, who knows if if they'll stick with that exact three three five and what that'll look like. And anymore, it's you're talking about your base defense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that's what you call all the time, right? Like there there will absolutely be time. Like Nebraska did it this year; they got an even fronts and odd fronts. They it just mm-hmm. you know you can walk guys up, um, and you can find. I'm sure y'all have seen the video too of just like three three five. What's that? And there's this video online of this guy that explains the three, three, five entirely. And it's essentially a different way of getting into a bear front, right? Sure. In, in some cases. So, but you just have guys lined up in different spots. Um, but you mentioned the key word aggression. And if you go back and watch, I, I I've gone back and watched 2019 Baylor quite a bit. Cause I'm like, okay, what is, what does it look like when rule has really firmly put his stamp on things? Right. And then you go and watch Tony white Syracuse last year. And that's that's the word is aggression. Um, it, it doesn't mean that they're lights out and they are top five everything and all world, but they are hitting. Like and there's no question about that. And if the offense gets something, they earn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Particularly with that 2019 Baylor. If you go back and watch one of the most, more interesting games to watch, I thought was 2019 Baylor versus Okie State. And Okie State did get loose a couple times, but. They, it looked like they were running for their lives the entire game. <laughs> and they had, remember Chuba Hubbard? Or Chubb- yeah. Oh, yeah. Really good back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that dude had to really shake some people to get loose. Um, but, I mean, there was serious level of physicality, serious level of hitting coming from Baylor. I think that's what you're going to get. I, you know, offensively, it was the same thing. It was just a – it's a – I, you just noticed that rules teams on both sides were all good with collisions mm-hmm. and, they, and they wanted to deliver them. Tony White's of that same mold. Satterfield, I think you got to, I, I think you got to hold out a little bit just because look, he had Spencer Rattler. You can't judge him. That's, that's a fair take. Well, I don't think the question with the three, three, five is, can it be physical and can it be downhill? That's how it's designed. The question is, is, is can you still win along the lines of scrimmage in a, in the big 10 conference? With the three three five, and I think there will be adjustments and tinkering to how the three three five is run at Nebraska to, to make it work. And I yeah. guess time will tell. Now, I'm especially going to be interested to see what it looks like in the spring game, how, how they try to line up and, and stop a rushing attack. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be an interesting spring game this year to see what some of these these schemes look like. I tell you what, we're going to read too much into the spring game, and then we're going to have coaches that don't show us anything, and we're going to try to talk about it all summer long. I can already see it now, but uh, I'm curious to see what these schemes look like come spring game. <laughs> 
Yeah, spring means warmth uh, instead of what we got. Mark Cranach is in, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We'll take a time out and rewind with the Pirate. Mike Leach joined us this week. Uh, we'll talk uh, Driver's Ed, uh, some football, his take on Matt Rule, and uh, Christmas parties with uh, people dressed as Santa. Hale Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio. The voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. We will uh, back with you at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. And uh, we welcome in the head pirate, Coach Mike Leach from Mississippi State. Coach, we got some, some freezing rain today in eastern Nebraska. How you doing? You know, back when I was in Iowa and I didn't have any money. I'd go, I had a 79 Cadillac DeVille and I'd go out there and it would be covered. It looked like a, a sheet of glass. The whole thing covered with a sheet of glass. Trouble is you couldn't get a key in anything. You couldn't get anything to move. We eventually get an extension cord and a hair dryer and try to melt the keyhole and even that was slow duty. Well, have you, have you heard what they do in Alaska where they'll, they'll actually go build a fire underneath their car to get everything dethawed? It's Seriously? Longer. Yeah. I've always wondered about that a little bit. I mean, isn't that how you blow up a car? <laughs> like if you watch movies and stuff? Yeah. I mean, well, of course, if you watch movies, a couple things on movies, and I think they're transitional, like, uh, you know, just vehicles to move around or eliminate characters. But, you know, you got these cars, which we're driving them around all the time, and they get in wrecks all the time. But, you know, in these movies, if you, if you hit a car wrong, it'll just immediately blow up. Um, as in, you know, well, any car that goes off a cliff, of course, blows up. And then, um, and so, you know, they're awfully combust- combustible. It's like, you know, driving something fueled by nitroglycerin. If it's on a movie, okay. Then the other thing that they love to do is uh, anytime you need to eliminate a character or need a character to pause, you conk him on the head and knock him out for a little bit. And he passes out for whatever allotted time you need. And then, of course, he'll get up again. And, uh, you know, main characters may get knocked out several times while still prevailing in the end. And then, uh, of course, villains will get knocked out until you can get past them or whatever's convenient, you know. But the knocking out and yet uh, 
you know, people come back to um, <clears throat> bright and perky and letting it rip, you know. Yeah. I think the con- I think the concussion protocol people uh, need to meet with the movie people and uh, <laughs> figure out how to recover uh, in the fashion they do in movies. Mike Leach with us, Sale Varsity Radio, head coach, Mississippi State. The the extension cord and hair dryer, a 79 Cadillac, dealing with uh, ice and rain. Man, uh, we've gone a lot of spots already. It's it's awesome to, to spend time with you. You gave us, we are ready to pack up and take off for Ireland, which we did to start the season. And you gave us the, uh, the art of swearing. We love that last conversation. Uh, I want to stick with the driving topic. You have kids. They've all had their license. Did you do most of the driver's ed in the family, or did you stay away from uh, from teaching kids how to drive? Um, I did some, you know, because I wouldn't, like, okay, so my wife on the driver's ed thing, she'll sit in the passenger side. Mm-hmm but she's constantly st- uh, stomping on an imaginary brake <laughs> on her side and uh, probably damaging the floorboard as she's constantly slamming her foot into the floor of the passenger side. <clears throat> she doesn't have the temperament uh, to drive with uh, <clears throat> new drivers. I didn't have a problem with it. You know, I mean, I didn't want to hit anything, obviously, but... Uh, um, you know, I wouldn't get rattled and said, say, it'd be like, all right, you got to turn sooner. Uh, you better slow down. You know, I just kind of inform them, just kind of one helpful tip, not a constant dialogue like my wife. Stop, turn, no, no, you got to look at that. We'll look right and left and then, no, stop, stop, stop. You know, it wasn't like that. It'd be like, uh, it'd be like, that wasn't very straight backing out. <laughs> All right, now pull forward, not too fast, and then uh, you, you ought to break a little. And they, so that was more my deal. But to be perfectly honest, the public school system um, had more to do with them sure. learning to drive than me or my wife, either one. Mike Leach with us, a few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, I want to ask you about the, the living room. It's that time of year. It's early signing period. You, you're out recruiting uh, what's your approach in the living room with a with a prospect, and who did you you learn the art of recruiting from? Who who's been some really dynamic folks uh, that, that you've been around, and you, you know you've done a marvelous job through your career of landing high profile talent, but also finding guys and developing really good football players. Well, I think when you go into a living room, I think. Um, I think you, when you go into the living room, I think the biggest thing is is uh, um, act like you belong there. I mean, adjust to the people in the living room. It's their living room. I mean, don't mess with their TV or anything like that. I mean, <laughs> but uh, make make yourself at home, and then um, and then. Uh, uh, but you know, I mean, some guys come in just so wound up and uptight, I mean, where you're not going to belong anywhere. Yeah. And then um, I never wear a coat and tie. You know, you're already there's a little bit of a distance separation. You know, they see you on TV, and now I'm going to come in in some really uptight coat and tie. I never do that. You know, you try to, like I say, dress like you belong in the living room. Mm-hmm. 
And so you want something kind of neutral, I think. And then, you know, and just carry on the conversation, learn about one another. I think that's probably the most important thing because um, on the visit and the phone calls, you learn a lot about the X's and O's and things of that nature. I think uh, uh, I've had, well, I've been around some, some uh, you know, great recruiters. Uh, and I thought Hal Mummy was a really good recruiter. Uh, um, but, uh, and then, um, you know, when I was coming up and, and then I thought that, you know, uh, of course, uh, Bob Stoops and his staff were really good recruiters. And then now I did uh, become a head coach quick enough that I didn't have a ton of mentors in this, but I know that, um, um, you know, the one thing everybody thinks kind of the super salesman, slick car dealer type of guy is the best recruiter. I know some of the most kind of boring's not the right word, but uh, kind of understated, mm-hmm. just the facts, only football type of football coaches who are great recruiters and the one quality that all really good recruiters have is persistence there's i know some of those really slick sharp looking guys terrible recruiters and i know some some of the most dour looking uh you know grumpy football coach types great recruiters uh the one thing all great recruiters have in common is persistence, just persistence, you know, because you never know which call, which conversation, which letter uh, is going to strike a chord. Persistence, nothing replaces persistence. And then after that, you just got to be yourself. Those that are trying to not be themselves, I think, damage their effort. Um, but, uh, and then, uh Talent on the phone is good um, because, you know, that's what uh, you're allowed to do the most, you know, if you think about over the, like as far as uh, being close to somebody and that you're allowed to do the most often and the longest, it's the phone. And um, so people that are are good on the phone and that you can just – you know, just hammer away. Not necessarily long, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, anything in particular, but persistence and good on the phone. Coach Mike Leach is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, let's say you're in a recruit's living room and you're 15, 20 minutes in the conversation, you just feel something isn't going right. Do you have any Coach Leach approved, tried and true methods to get that in home visit back on track? Sometimes uh, um, it kind of kind of depends what, but I think um, the more you can get the recruit in their family talking, uh, one the less likely that is to happen. Two, that's probably the best uh, chance of getting it back on track. Uh, get them talking. Listen to what they want. Listen to uh, what they're looking for. Listen to. You know, and then I think it's important to let them talk as much as they can anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, the truth of the matter is people like to talk. 
they like it when they get to talk. Even shy people like it when they get to talk. And um, <clears throat> don't just open the door um, for them to talk, but try to coax them to talk, because I do think that strengthens the thing. And, and I do think a relationship's stronger, you know, both sides if there's dialogue, you know. Couple more minutes. Mike Leach with us. Uh, Mississippi State taking on Illinois. Uh, January 2nd, the Reliant Quest Bowl. Coach, are, are you going to tour the, the old pirate ship, or have you toured the pirate ship at Raymond James Stadium? I never have. I've always wanted to. What is it? Is it just kind of a prop on the side of the stadium, or does it have some stuff? I mean, is there a, a quarters you can stay there? Do they have, like, I uh, don't know if you swords can... you can swing around up there? Maybe a hat you wear when you're there? I would think uh, that that you can fire a cannon or two, obviously a prop probably, but, I mean, it looks like uh, a, a normal pirate ship. I would inquire, though, about just camping out there, well, stay, stay the night. I'd inquire about its seaworthiness. Yeah. <laughs> do they serve grog? I mean, do they have, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I definitely want to. Well, that'll be that'll be cool. Thoughts on Illinois? Uh, we saw Illinois here in Lincoln uh, in October, and, and Coach uh, Bielema has done a, a really nice job. Should be a pretty physical matchup. Well, he's a great guy, and I've known him for a long, long time. And of course, was a good player too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very physical. That they're a lot. They're a lot like Coach Bielema. Mm-hmm. You know, they're. Uh, um, you know, just kind of a physical group on both sides of the ball. Coach, a thought. Do you know much, or have you had any interactions with Matt Rule? Yeah, I know him a little bit. Good guy. Uh, yeah, good guy. I think I think you'll enjoy him. I, I've always thought he's a good coach. I mean, you know, I don't know what happened at Carolina. What I, I suspect that, you know, the NFL has a funny way of cluttering things up uh to the point where it doesn't work. And then, uh, and you know, I mean, who knows whose fault that was. And I certainly uh, wouldn't blame uh, Matt right off the top. I think I've always thought he's a great guy. He's resurrected a bunch of programs. You know, the hardest thing in the world to do, I mean, resurrecting Temple and Baylor. I mean, now everybody takes it for granted Baylor's going to be good. Well, Matt Rule made it where people think that Baylor's going to be good. You were able to, to to really do well at Tech, and you did well at, at Oklahoma, recruiting Texas as well. But but Matt went in there as a guy that that didn't really have much contact in the state of Texas, and people swear by him. Yeah, now that's really overrated. One of the most overrated things on earth. Now Texas has great uh, high school football. Mm-hmm. Great high school football, maybe the best in the country. Um, uh, and they're more committed to it, too. And anything uh, people as industrious as the people in Texas are are committed to is going to be pr- uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then there's a false notion that, well, you can't recruit Texas unless you're from Texas. Well, think about how ridiculous that is. I mean, guy after guy leaves the state of Texas, goes and plays somewhere else. You don't need to be from the state of Texas to recruit someone from the state of Texas. And then the other thing, if you just add it up, 
most people aren't from the state of Texas. Okay. Uh, you know, and like, like for example, the guy you're talking to or the coach you're talking to, maybe he was born in Texas. But odds are reasonably high that one or both of his parents were not born in the state of Texas. <laughs> Texas has always been a place that's very much like the U.S., where people move in, move out, mm-hmm. come and go all the time. So, and then of course, I think you know, as people take pride in the in the high school football there and mm-hmm. uh, and the dedication they have to it, and they want to, you know, it, sometimes they get over their skis and try to make it a little more special. And well, the only people that can recruit them is have to be from Texas. Uh, no, Texas is, is like everybody. You know, else. I mean, there's stuff that's important. There's stuff that's not, and and you know, they are tough and and uh, smart and committed, and and so other tough, smart, and committed people from anywhere recruit somebody from Texas. So we're back to the first thing we started with, which is uh, persistence. Coach, uh, have you had much time uh, or interaction with Deion Sanders? I know he's leaving Jackson State for Colorado, but uh, you and Lane and Coach Prime down in, in Mississippi this past couple of seasons. Oh, I, I've known him for a while. I like him a lot. <clears throat> Always been impressed. I mean, you talk about uh, uh, <clears throat> one of America's achievers, you know. Um, plays football like 14 years, and nine of them's playing uh, Major League Baseball simultaneously. I mean, everybody forgets that. Can you imagine that, you know, long NFL season? Well, but Jeff, but before that, you played 162 games. Sometimes he played a few uh, less and got right into uh, got into football a little earlier. But, uh, I mean, that, that's amazing. That's not just a myth. That's crazy amazing. And then the sharp guy uh, has a plan. Uh, I, think, I think he's going to do well. But I like him. He's a smart guy. And the other thing is, is you know, if you think about it, I mean, he's he's, dedic- he's dedicated to this. I mean, uh, Deion Sanders doesn't have to be coaching football. I mean, he can do anything he wants right now. I mean, anything. And uh, yet he decides, you know, he wants to coach football and, you know, ele- elevate players, let them uh, help them reach their potential and uh, compete and <clears throat> create great teams. And so – you know, there's a guy that's really committed, somebody that doesn't have to do it, but's going to go ahead and do it anyway. Coach, we'll end with this. It's the Christmas season. Uh, holiday parties and dressing up as Santa. Have you ever been to a holiday party where Santa showed up, and have you ever had to play Santa? No, not – oh, wait, 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 way back, way back in grade school. I was in a school play where I was Santa. Uh, let me think. Yeah, I was Santa. One elf, too. Let's see. Uh, I didn't really play Santa. And no, I, I I need to get out more. You know, part of it is, is we got bowls in practice then, but in not a lot of costume-driven parties, you know. I don't know. Maybe I, it, it wouldn't be bad bad to take a lap through uh a Santa suit party, you know, male, female Santa suit party. Um, who knows what may go on afterwards, but just take a quick lap and get in and get out and 
just get the quick visual, you know, and then uh, stay out of harm's way, you know. Mike Leach with us. Coach, Merry Christmas. Best to you and your family. We'll uh, get caught up again, and uh, but good luck in your bowl game. Always fun spending time with you today. Well, thank you, and Merry Christmas to you. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We're working with Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity. Shortly, we'll get him connected and uh, check in with Vogues, our managing editor from Hale Varsity. And uh, reminder, uh, as you see the scroll going across, if you're watching Hale Varsity Radio this morning on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or either ESPN Lincoln Facebook, Twitter, and the Hale Varsity Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. That scroll tells you how you can take care of a Nebraska fan this holiday season. The magazine, the website, the digital, the print is just beautiful. It is absolutely incredible, and uh, it's for that Husker fan in your life. $10 off. When you subscribe and log on today, hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. That code is GBR. We can't see Mark Cranach right now. We do have connection with Cranach. We do have Brandon Vogel now in his football office. And Elijah, Cranach's looked like uh, someone who scares convenience store workers. Vogue's right now. Uh, you know, I don't know that he's as frightening as Cranach, but, but Vogue's looks intimidating. I look like I'm hungover. I'm not, but it's it's kind of a stocking cap Saturday. Where's your uh, – don't you have a throwback Denver stocking hat or something, uh, Elijah? I, I have my uh, my Tottenham Hotspur stocking cap that I've been known well, to yeah, wear fine, on Saturday sure. morning because, okay. you know, it's I'm a soccer guy. It's, it's, it's that time I can finally come out for a couple weeks and not be judged for being a soccer guy, and then I'll go back into my cave as soon as the World Cup is over. But I yeah, can go I, have a heater, and you three can talk soccer. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Vogues, good morning. Creighton How are you? Night. Yeah, no kidding. That was a tough one against Syracuse. Vogues, good to see you, man. What are we uh, sipping on this morning? Oh, just some black coffee as usual. So, <laughs> was down, was under the weather early in the week and, and wasn't able to drink my coffee. So, so I'm enjoying it a little bit extra here. Yeah, towards towards the end of the week. I hear you, man. I've had the flu all week. It's not good. Not good at all. Drinking some Echin, some Echinacea Plus tea right now with honey. Mm. Whatever. There we go. Uh, speaking of being sick. Uh, John Cook. I mean, the guy's got to go, obviously. Uh, Uh, Wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He does not. Uh, This was an interesting year volleyball-wise, though, as as Nebraska falls to Oregon in five sets um, in the NCAA tournament, does not advance to the the Elite Eight because of it. Folks, they just could not get settled. It just feels like the entire year was sort of tinkering and experimenting on
why this season ended the way it did, particularly, you know, that match against against Oregon and was talking with Jacob Padilla, our, you know, day to day volleyball beat writer a little bit about it. <clears throat> we went into this season assuming Kennedy Orr was kind of, you know, next up at setter and Nicklin Hames was going to move into a different role. That didn't end up working out. And I think that's really kind of the constant undercurrent of this whole year because they went to a 6-2. They got the results they needed running a 6-2. You get a fourth set, it goes to 30 points for both teams, and you know you, you run out of subs. I'm not saying that's why Nebraska lost. They, they had four chances where if they just made one more play, they would have won and be on to the, the next round. But the, the, the setter thing, I think, is, is a big piece of this. Um, just that uncertainty there is not something we've seen from Nebraska very often. And then when you do go to that 6-2, it changes all your rotations for, for those other positions. So you had a lot of moving around. Um, unsettled is, I think, definitely the, the, the theme of this 2022 year now, having seen it all play out. Brandon, I, I know that's a long way off, but if an early, you have an early look ahead to next season in terms of getting this roster settled back down and getting a little bit more consistency. What do you think this volleyball team needs to, to either add this offseason or improve upon? Yeah, I mean, they need to, to, to figure out, I think, first and foremost, is Kennedy or going to be the center? going forward or are you looking for something else there i mean nebraska we don't talk about transfer portal much outside of football and a little bit of basketball but nebraska obviously has opportunities to upgrade there they've done that in in the past i think this young group of kind of outside hitters opposite hitters you know all in their own ways and all kind of at various points in the season showed some real progress so uh you know Batenhorst, Lowenstein, um, Krause, that's kind of your your next wave. And they've already played a good amount of volleyball, two full seasons for for most of them. So they'll probably go as far as that group takes them. Um, and, and we'll see. Nebraska has recruited extraordinarily well over the past couple of cycles. So there's always going to be competition there. But those are kind of the knowns you have going into 2023. Brandon Vogel with us this morning, weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Vogue's over to football, and when you look at guys that are still currently on the roster, and I know that's a, a day-to-day thing with the portal activity, but when we talk Tony White, who are some guys and some names on this roster you're excited about transitioning to this aggressive style that, that Tony White will bring? Well, I think getting Jamari Butler back out of the portal um, was was perhaps a an early example of that you know he's technically an edge rusher um, but is is versatile it also kind of matches I think the overall uh, rule profile in that when he signed with Nebraska I think he'd only played one year of high school football you know so a guy who came in a little bit raw on that front but we've seen this coaching staff it doesn't view that as you know, a, a downfall a lot of the time. In fact, it often seems like it might be a little bit of upside. Um, so he's he was a, a player after he decided to come back to Nebraska after putting his name in. That immediately jumped to mind. The safeties are going to be a huge, huge piece of this. When you you look at run fitting in a in a three three five, um, that's obviously only six guys in the box. So a lot of the times, particularly in the Big Ten, you're going to need you're going to need more than that. And a lot of times in this 
defense traditionally that comes from safety. So I think of a guy like Miles Farmer, um, Marquise Buford had had a really strong, I think, season. Uh, may not be that kind of classic uh, gap filler in, in terms of size, but those two I, I think are going to be end up being essential. And then someone like Gifford, you know, the nickel really needs to be a versatile player in this too. And uh, he showed some pretty good flashes, I thought, this year as well. Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, you mentioned Transfer Portal and, and Jamari Butler deciding to withdraw his name and come back to Nebraska. And I think it kind of continues a trend that that I wasn't expecting this week of that, you know, it hasn't really been a, a Transfer Portal exodus. And one of the things we talked about whenever uh, we were reacting to the Matt Rule hire was the fact that we're probably going to see some more roster attrition post-spring and maybe there's guys biding their time and waiting and seeing what that's going to look like. But what is your reaction to, to that, the fact that you know what? It hasn't really truly been the transfer portal exodus. And I think really the only name that's gone into the portal that's maybe been unexpected has, has been Ernest Houseman. It's just, um, is that the NIL factor with Nebraska? Is that the fact that guys really don't know what new talent's coming in, that they don't know what their playing time's going to be like next year? What do you think the, the reason for that is? The fact that, you know what? It hasn't truly been the, the transfer portal exodus that some of us have expected. Yeah, I think um, I, I kind of give a little bit of uh, a, a, a nod of a good job towards the coaching staff because it, on, on the one hand, you can look at this as if you're a player, particularly seeing some of these transfer portal numbers over the first week, like it probably makes sense if you can to be a little bit patient and, and just like hear things out, see where things are going because – there's, there's still so much to be decided, you know, for some of those defense players, they didn't know who their defensive coordinator was until two days ago. Um, that said, it's, it's really easy also to be like, Hey, this is, this is a change here. Like got a lot of respect for those guys and what they did, but I'm just going to make a clean break and look for something else. So, uh, um, I think you're right. Um, Nebraska ha- probably has the potential to be a little bit more active in the second transfer window, soccer term, Elijah, um, <laughs> which will be post spring. And that'll probably be the bigger one to watch. Cause at that point, you know, you won't just have, have had conversations with coaches. You'll gone, you'll have gone through the entire kind of spring semester off season at that point. Brandon Vogel with us here at Brandon L Vogel on Twitter. And, uh, Vogues, I want to go to, to the offense here and in, in the offensive line and Donnie Riola. And if you were to to put a theory together as to, all right, you're drafting top problem for the offensive line. And we, we, we've, we've laid out uh, the, the missteps. We've laid out the uh, inability to run it. We've laid out the, the, the pressures allowed. But You've got peer programs that have recruited these same guys, so there's talent. If you if you were to circle the biggest issue with the offensive line uh, moving forward, what what is the top fix for Riola? What what's the faith level like that he can get that changed for for 2023? Clearly. Rule and company believe he he's part of the problem, uh, part of the solution rather, and not the problem. Yeah, um, I mean, it's 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 a tough one to diagnose. Like the first thing that comes to mind for me is it it might be because I agree with you that the talent Nebraska brought in 
based on the way we all kind of agree to measure it um, via recruiting rankings or, you know, other offers, how, however you prefer to do that. Um, Nebraska's line didn't raise any alarm bells when they were recruiting and signing those players. Like, it all looked pretty good there, but there's like seven major stats, O-line specific stats at, at Football Outsiders. I think in five of those, Nebraska's best ranking was in 2018. So that's when you had whoever you had the holdovers, Gerald Foster, uh, Tanner Farmer, guys like that, like in five of those categories, Nebraska has not hit the highs that they were at in 2018. And as you cycle in more of the guys that that past coaching staff recruited, some really high profile guys that we're all, you know, all well aware of who haven't quite reached those heights. Like it comes back to the development piece of it for me, I think. And, Really, it, this past year, talking about Riola and, you know, how it's kind of hard to say what Matt Rule and his coaches are seeing based on what we saw on the field. Like, they only got better in two categories over, over the past season. That said, most of those categories had been sliding for at least a season before that, sometimes even two. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio as we talk Nebraska and offensive line. Um when you watch, I'm assuming you've watched, gone back and watched some like 2019 Baylor and, you know, some 2018 Baylor and just trying to see what, what does a rule offense look like? Granted, different offensive coordinator, but, you know, when he has all his pieces in place and it, what you see is uh, you do see some creativity in the run game and you do see that they are not shy at all about pulling guys um, from one side of the line to the other and, you know, just just doing a lot offensively to to get bodies moving. Um, is that something you would expect to see immediately from Nebraska as far as like this year? Do you think that they're going to get creative? Do you think they're going to get physical? And for all we talk about the offensive line, if you get Prohaska, you get Nuili back, and you bring all these other guys back, like the, the conventional wisdom on O-line is when you bring guys back, you get better. Do you think Nebraska has a has a chance to legitimately be better earlier than maybe Rule has shown he uh, gets a team ready in the, in his past? Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's 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 hard to to feel super confident about that for me, just based on what we see recently. But if you get a, a fresh set of eyes, you know, a group of coaches, a play caller who maybe are better able to diagnose like every offensive line, no matter how good or bad it is, has strengths and weaknesses, right? Who is better able to play to their strengths, you know, I guess basically a, a better use of resources, whatever resources you may have. I think you can see some, some gains right away. Um, I, I would expect, you know, Nebraska under this, this new regime to, to again, try and put an emphasis on the run game. I think Nebraska wanted to do that over the past four plus seasons, but you, you, you know, I never felt like I saw the full creativity that they had possible in that, the, the, the run scheme. So, so that's, that's a piece of this. That said, you know, experience on the offensive line matters a ton. Um, offensively, the only, you know, quarterback and receiver are probably most important, but I would put, put O-line not far behind either of those. And Nebraska, based on what we know now, should be experienced. That said, it was one of the most, I think it was the most experienced O-line coming in 
maybe Maryland's was higher. One of one of the top two in the Big Ten in terms of snaps played coming into this year. So you know, it's everywhere you look with this offense. It's it, offensive line. It's it's kind of a puzzle and, and hard to know. Like, is is it the talent? Is it the development? Is it the coaching? So a lot to sort out there up front for the Huskers. Brandon Vogel's with us here, a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, if we stick on the offensive side of the ball, a lot of question marks. And as you talk about the, the puzzle around the offensive line, but one of the biggest question marks on this offense is still Casey Thompson. And I'm not sure when we're going to get a decision on, on what he wants to do, but do you have a read there on, on, on what that decision may be and how important do you think it is to this offense in, in 2023, whether or not Casey Thompson's under center? I mean, it would be a it would be a nice uh, luxury to have somebody with as much experience. I think I personally felt like, you know, listening to Casey at, at most of those weekly press conferences, like he is clearly a very mature player, um, which you expect. You know, he's been in college football for a while, um, but that doesn't mean you're going to display those traits necessarily. And, and he did in my mind, so. You look at, at South Carolina and Spencer Rattler, you know, a, a quarterback who can run the football, but, it, you know, probably prefers not to. Like, I think that's a good example of could Casey Thompson work in whatever Satterfield's hoping to run here? And I think the answer to that is yes. So getting him back and having that option would be would be nice for Nebraska. It'd be a little bit of a security blanket. That said, as we get a little deeper into this portal era, I think we're seeing just based on the numbers, like you're probably going to be able to find a quarterback. You're almost always going to be able to find wide receivers. Uh, the tough parts then become both lines. That's where you don't, I think, want to be real transfer reliant. That's a good take. Uh, that's your development area, right? I mean, that's your, you may sprinkle in like yesteryear in the JUCO ranks when you think about some some pieces like a Farley or a Levante that when major defense go from really good to great that that type talent but uh, you develop on the lines of scrimmage and then uh, you, you reload through the high school and, and maybe again you sprinkle in uh, some depth there Vogues I'll get you out on this Jeff Sims in town this weekend part of the massive official visit weekend he's part of the portal crew and uh, I, I know Georgia Tech didn't have the year they wanted, but, man, he looks like a pretty dynamic quarterback. Um, a, have you seen much of Sims? B, uh, his fit as you could apply it to Satterfield and this Nebraska offense? Yeah, I think, I think the fit is, is there. And, you know, Sims was – was a, a very highly touted quarterback prospect, like one of the big, big – early recruiting wins for Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. And and that obviously didn't play out the way Sam's or Collins or Georgia Tech fans wanted it to. Um, but he, he played a lot of football there. Like even as the, the team kind of wasn't seeing the results it needed to, to, to keep Collins in that position and build towards what they hoped it could be. Um, he started a lot of football games and nobody supplanted him. You know, that can be a, a good thing, bad thing. But when, when I think about Georgia Tech and, and Jeff Sims, beyond the numbers, like what I was able to watch of the Yellow Jackets over those those seasons, like I didn't come away thinking, well, that's the problem. Um, so as a <laughs> as a transfer candidate, um, 
like totally makes sense. Uh, a guy who's played a lot, a guy who has a high, high skill level. So not surprised to, to see the see Nebraska's interest there. Vogues, enjoy your weekend. I'm glad you're feeling better. Sip that coffee. Do you have uh, holiday lights up on the Vogel homestead, or are you kind of like me and you, know, you let others go Griswold? Yeah, I, I leave that to others. I like it in principle, like just a, just a little bit. But then I'm always like, do I really want to get on a ladder? And most of the times the answer to that question is no. <laughs> no. It's a safety thing. I totally get it. It's a lazy thing for me, but uh, safety first. I love it. Vogues, uh, we'll get caught up soon, and uh, thanks for your time today. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. There he is, Brandon, Brandon Vogel well, in the football office. It's funny because you guys talk about Christmas decorations. I was just thinking about this this week where I, I don't even have my Christmas tree up at my house yet, and it's not because I don't yeah. have one. It's not because I'm a Grinch. It's because all the ornaments I have at my house are from a former roommate who moved out in like the, the dead of the night, didn't tell anybody and left like half his stuff just lying around. And, and so all my ornaments are like just baby pictures of him and pictures of him and his family that he has left at my house. And I, I don't know what to do with them. And it feels kind of wrong to decorate my tree with it. I don't want to get new ornaments. No, you don't I'm not sure up. what to do. It's, it's kind of funny that we, we put it up last year with a whole bunch of baby pictures of a guy who no longer lived at our house, which is funny. <laughs> but also once you do it back to back, it's no longer funny now, which is kind of weird. So not yeah, sure what it's to kind do. of sad in some ways. <laughs> You know, uh, that's tough. That's tough. Well, if I, you I want, like we can send you some pictures. Uh, you know, I'll send you some. I'll get Schmitty up on the tree. I'll get Cranach up on the tree. <laughs> that's that's yeah. creepy, too. What else do you want in life? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, Dahmer had a tree like that. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, reminder, uh, your friends at Alumni Hall today having an autograph session with the Husker offensive lineman, the Pipeline. Uh, Henry Lutowski with us yesterday. Really good to chat with him, get his perspective on things, but also Pipeline Jerky there and 25% off. Just great items for that Nebraska fan in your life. Need a new hat, new season, new coach, uh, some Adidas gear, uh, some Columbia options. Alumni Hall 1120 P Street. Just want to send you a reminder uh, from noon to 2 today. So maybe you're headed down to see Nebraska-Purdue uh, tip off at one fifteen. There's clearly plenty of time for you to go uh, pop into Alumni Hall and uh, get some Husker gear, some swag, and uh, pictures and autographs uh, don't cost you anything. And they have ad- items you can get there, the, the footballs that are not your typical traditional football, but the stuff you can get signed, or those mini helmets, uh, really cool options with Alumni Hall. But that is noon to 2 with uh, members of the Nebraska offensive line and uh, really awesome samples, too, of your friends at Pipeline Jerky. Got to meet Dave yesterday. Uh, Just a quick uh, reminder. We tell you about the Hale Varsity special going on, GBR. Uh, Savings when you uh, subscribe to Hale Varsity. Get that Husker fan a subscription as well. HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Subscribe, user code GBR. We'll wind down the Iron Horse. Coming up, Gary Sharp with us. It's Hale Varsity Weekend Edition presented by Currency. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe 
and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back into it. It's weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Uh, Jake Peets is going to be staying in the NFL with Sean McVay. He reached out to a couple of folks last night with a question mark about uh, Peets, and he's been rumored. And I think uh, when push came to shove, Peets is a guy who's, you know, I know he's an analyst in the NFL, but I think that's going well. There's more responsibility being given to him by McVay. And uh, you've got some young kids in, in, in Jake's family uh, from a schedule and uh, lifestyle standpoint. Uh, it's just a little bit more conducive to having, you know, family and kids, even as busy and crazy as the NFL is, to stay where he's at. But don't kid yourself, Jake Peets, with his relationship with Matt Rule, I'm pretty confident that, that Jake Peets helped uh, sell Nebraska to, uh, to Matt Rule to help get this hire done. So Nebraska still in search. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with his Sharpie, are you uh, still in Big Sky Country, bud? How are you? Yes, I am in uh, Bozeman. Hey, let me let me add a little bit to what you just said about Jake Pete. So Jake was all set, as we know, to join Matt Rule's staff. And he speaks glowingly about Matt Rule. And kind of what you said, Schmitty, and what I was told uh, yesterday morning, is that Jake just had a change of heart. You know, as you were alluding to, he, he assessed the situation that is non-football and, you know, just decided that where he's at now is there's uh, some stability there and that's where he wants to be. It's no knock on Nebraska because I, I will tell you that Jake Peets absolutely loves Matt Rule. So, you know, Nebraska now will have that opening that, you know, we all thought was taken care of and uh, they'll try and find somebody that they can add to a staff that, well, any any news this week? Anything going on other than I'm in uh, Yellowstone looking well, for John well, Gary, I, I need a, a quick <laughs> clarification point. This wasn't a case of, of Jake Peets, you know, watching Baker Mayfield lead a 98-yard game-winning drive, no. and it reinvigorated his love for the Rams. It wasn't that? Uh, no, but, I mean, the Rams might have kept their season alive because of uh, Baker. I don't know. You know, it's a weird – it's a weird – he's had a – he's had such an interesting football career of who he's worked for, where he's been – and, uh, you know, I, I just think that there's, there's part of the experience here and the experience in the NFL. And, you know, I, I think he sees his future probably in the NFL a little bit more. But, again, it's, it's not a knock on Nebraska. This is just somebody made a personal decision that is best for their family. And, you know, you can't knock them for that. It's just he, he would have been a nice addition to Nebraska staff. But now, you know, you lean on Rule and Satterfield to come together to find their quarterback coach. Sharpie, uh, a thought with, um, well, you're looking for Beth Dutton, I think, not not John Dutton, in, in big, but you know, make sure you got eyes for your jaw. Um, but I, I want to just get into to the week that's been, man. I mean, there, there's a billion things to ask you about. First, Riola 
second, uh, let's talk a little bit here about uh, Mr. White. Yes, science. Well, let's start with the defensive coordinator, um, because I don't think that drew as much ire as uh, the retaining of Donnie (laughs) did. Say what, it's kind of an out-of-the-box thinking, higher. And, you know, if you look at, first of all, a 3-3-5, which now I think everybody has dived into the 3-3-5 and how it will work with Nebraska's roster, how it will work in the Big Ten. Does Nebraska have good enough defensive linemen? You know, I, I think there's also the adjustment. You know, Marcus Satterfield, five different spots, has run five different types of offenses. So there's going to be some tweaking there. But I really like this hire. You know, if you look at his progress, and I think it was important to have somebody as a D.C. that has called plays before. You know, not somebody that you're promoting that has been a linebacker coach in the NFL and all of a sudden they're getting an opportunity to be a D.C. I, I think you've had a call defensive plays. And Tony White's resume is really impressive. I I was this is a hire that's really got me intrigued because he has made incremental progress wherever he has been kind of year by year and especially what they did at Syracuse. But here's how I kind of judge when you're putting together a staff and somebody leaves from another staff, another part of the country to come to your staff. I I want to I want to immediately hear what the fans reaction is, because. You know, fans are, we're we're all defensive and offensive coordinators, and in this state we have 1.9 million people that are offensive line coaches. You always say, oh, oh, man, I hate the coordinators. Well, look at the response from Syracuse. There are a lot of people that are really disappointed that he left. They understand it, but they're disappointed that he left because of what he was building at Syracuse. And the other thing, his players loved him, absolutely loved him. So we'll see how the system works. But I think this is a, this is a really good out-of-the-box hire when you're putting together a staff that so far really has all kinds of connections to you that you worked with before. Now you went to get somebody who you believe what they preach and what they teach that it can work for you on a side of the ball where I, I think you'll be further ahead on that side of the ball than you will on offense in 23. I just want, sorry, Mark, I don't want to jump ahead of you here. I just want to make a point real quick. And you mentioned the, the fan sentiment, Gary. And fan sentiment's important, but also Michigan fans were calling for Jim Harbaugh's head three years ago, so they're known to be wrong. Yeah, but in this case, it's a defensive coordinator that very few people know the name off the top of their head. And in a place like Syracuse, where, you know, Dino Babers turned it around this year because he was on the hot seat, just the fact that, that, that fans, and then I'll go with this. I'll go a little bit step further, and I, I get what you're saying, Elijah is there's media people that cover Syracuse on a daily basis, and they are like, whoa, this is a hit to the Syracuse football program. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. I think one of the hallmarks of his defense is they actually do create havoc. And I I don't know, it's almost like more than anything, the thing that gets me excited about Coach Rule and his staff, Gary, and I'd like to get your take on this, is, you know, there was a lot of talk with the last staff where the actions didn't line up, right? There was yep. a lot of talk about, hey, let's get turnovers, let's create havoc. But then you didn't, you, you called a fairly conservative defense where that didn't happen. Um, that's going to be different this time around if White is able to implement the style of defense that he has shown that he does. And those guys get sacks, they get picks, they get fumbles. Um, it is truly an aggressive style. Do you expect to see that immediately when he comes on board? I do, I do, and that's a great point, Mark, because that's, we, we talked about that. How come Nebraska, one, can't force fumbles, and then Nebraska hardly ever seems to recover fumbles or get interceptions, and they talk about it a lot. I mean, Eric Chenander talked about, hey, we got to be, 
we got to be a defense that's physical, but we got to take the football away. And that just never happened. But I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Mark. I think when I look at the guys on that side of the ball, that's a big deal is to create havoc and force turnovers and pick up fumbles and that kind of stuff. And that could bode really, really well for a quick change for the defense to go headed in the right direction. I, I, I think it's, as we all dive into uh, Coach White's resume, you're going to see some things that have, have been mentioned. Hey, we've got to do this to be good in the Big Ten on defense. Actually, Tony White's defense has done. So, you know, maybe for the first time it will come true because I, it is amazing through Eric Chenander and even further back that Nebraska just can't seem to take the football away on defense. And maybe this is the turning point with who you're hiring and what they're preaching. And not only preaching and teaching, but they're following through on it. Gary Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Let's uh, move into basketball only because it's coming. We can get back to football if we want to later. But hello, number four Purdue's coming. This is the same week, by the way. It's like a year ago, but it's the same week that Nebraska knocked off Creighton and then went to Indiana and didn't have Sam Greasel and just couldn't cut into that you know, kind of 8- to 12-point advantage, um, and Indiana was able to outlast Nebraska. But, man, what a difference a year makes, Gary. It, watching Nebraska-Purdue last year seriously looked like varsity versus JV. Just in terms of size difference, it was unbelievable. It was just like Nebraska has no chance against a team like that that is so physically superior to, to what Nebraska is. Totally different this year. I'm not saying these guys are going dancing, Gary, but it feels like if Greasel is healthy and we don't know if he's going to be healthy today or not based on the, you know, he missed last game with some flu-like symptoms. Um, but if he's in, Nebraska's a big physical team that truly just won't have too many matchup issues. Do you expect Nebraska to keep it close today if Greasel is in? Uh, no. <laughs> all that build up no i think i think purdue is the number one team in the country and they have a seven footer that is an absolute beast in zach Eady. now i i don't want to sound harsh here and it all depends on sam greasel and you know if he's boy if he even if he plays is he 100 percent? because you saw against creighton to indiana how much of a difference he makes there is no doubt that this basketball team is built differently it almost feels like year one for fred where he realized his mistakes and then started over and put together a roster that you can win in the Big Ten instead of trying to do what has, you know, gave him success at Iowa State. They're better as a team. I think they have a ball handler in Greasel that doesn't get you into bad situations um, when they're not sped up. And, you know, when you execute your game plan and Greasel has Walker coming back, I mean, Walker looked lost against Indiana. That's because he didn't have Sam with him. You know, this is a, this is a team that's competitive, and I don't think they're going to get blown out. Um, but they still have some deficiencies because Greasel and Walker probably every game you can go, okay, these guys are going to be consistent. But who's my third option? You know, Bandamil and Gary are going to give you quality minutes, and I thought Gary was really important against Creighton. But, you know, what kind of, what, what kind of consistency are you going to get out of scoring out of Wiltshire? Um, I think they'll play really, really hard today. I think it'll be a really good atmosphere. I mean, you're going to have Matt Rule at halftime. And you got Purdue. Purdue, again, is a behemoth. I think they're the number one team in the country. But it all depends on where are we at with Greasel. Because if Sam can play, then that gives you a shot. 
But if he can't play, then I really worry about Nebraska because I think Purdue's guards will get in on you and they will touch you on every possession and they will make you work. And at least Sam is a little bit bigger that he can handle that. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's going it's to be a really, really tough test today for Nebraska with or without number five. Gary Sharp with his weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, I want to go to the weekend uh, official visit for Nebraska. You've got some portal guys. You've got some 2023 guys. Name me a couple of guys that, that are on your radar that you're interested in. Do you see any, any potential commitments for Nebraska this weekend? Well, you, you know, you, you don't know. It's, it's such a whirlwind. And I give credit to the staff for – yeah, you, you start kind of the week. It's been such a weird week. Maybe it's been a typical mm-hmm. Nebraska football week. You have a decommit of a guy who I think is a really good player in Ben Bramer. You have Donovan Riola is retained, and we try and explain the why, and people are not, why would you keep him, and what's going on, and I don't know if I trust Rule. Okay, I trust Rule. He's an offensive line guy, so he's probably going to run the offensive line, but Donovan's going to have the title. You know, and, and then you get to this recruiting weekend where all of a sudden things picked up. Um, where you've got some names on campus of positions of need, and there, there are some significant positions that need help. I mean, that defensive line for Nebraska is really, really light in the shorts, and you need some bodies in there. So you bring in a four-star from Texas A&M, which I wonder if Elijah Robinson, who doesn't look like he's coming here, did Nebraska, uh, Matt Rule, a favor. He said, hey, this guy, this guy can play for you. Tells Elijah Judy, hey, go to Nebraska. He's going to take care of you. Go give it a look. See what you think. He would be a nice addition because you need bodies in there. And then I'm kind of intrigued by Jeff Sims. You know, we don't know if Casey Thompson is coming back. And, and, and I, I think it's important for Nebraska to have Casey Thompson come back because I got a feeling that this offense could be a little bit complicated. And Casey is somebody who I think would be able to absorb the info a little bit quicker because he's been around a little bit longer. Um, but, you know, who knows what they're going to do there. And then, of course, the high school players, a lot of in-state kids, you know, what's Malachi Coleman going to do? Is, is Coach Prime really a, a, you know, a real deal? But I think it's important, like, when it goes for Nebraska against Colorado, next weekend is a huge weekend for, you know, Colorado and their recruiting weekend. And they're going after some guys that Nebraska, you know, has on their radar or is having on campus this weekend. So I think it's important for Nebraska to put on a good show. And, you know, in Nebraska start to get a little momentum on the recruiting trail. Um, but I like the list. I, I think this shows that this staff – has really, really got out there and grinded. And remember, you have some guys out on the road who really don't have any built-in relationships lately because they're coming from the NFL. So they're walking into situations where they're kind of for the first time going, hey, remember me? I'm back in college. And what they're able to, uh, to put on campus this weekend, I think is a good sign moving forward when this staff, you know, they get settled in and they can have a whole full recruiting cycle. Gary, let's flip this around from from potential additions to departures and the Ernest Hausman situation. It's uh, a, a good visit to Iowa apparently this week, and some uh, some recruiting experts putting predictions that Hausman will be a Hawkeye next season. What's your read on the on the Hausman situation? Oh, that would that would be uh, that'd be quite interesting next to Black Friday. Here's the thing with Ernest, and you know it 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 initially caught everybody off guard. And so I said, whoa, what's going on here? Because if I'm looking at his situation, we all, we all talked in the month of November how much progress he had made. Now you're thinking, okay, what's the defense going to look like next year? Where's he going to fit in? And then you, then you kind of figure out, well, some of the guys on the roster that are departing were recruited by the former staff, and they had great relationships with the former staff. And then you get the confusion of 
hey, I don't have a position coach. Who's coaching me? I mean, I can go into the coach's office and go, hi, my name is Ernest Hausman. Oh, I'm Matt Rule, but I don't have a position coach. So, you know, you get a, you get a little bit of, man, I had a great relationship with my former position coach. I'm going to start to look. I got people saying, hey, hey, man, you should, you should look. And then once you get in the portal, you see the attention you're getting. And, you know, and then Ernest Hausman's not coming back to Nebraska. I mean, he's not pulling a, a, a butler. Um, but Iowa, that would sting because you look at Iowa's situation, they're losing a great linebacker in Jack Campbell. Doesn't Ernest Hausman look like a guy that could slide right into that spot and be, and be another solid Big Ten Iowa linebacker that gets awards? And you sit here and go, wow, what happened there? Gary, is that a quick follow-up to that? What's your, your reaction to Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer both hopping on Twitter yesterday and posting Proverbs 18.24? One who has an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What's your reaction to that? Is that, is that well, in reference I to Ernest? I think there, yes. I think there's probably something that happened during the course of the season. Um, you know, they most definitely would like to keep him uh, in the linebacker room. I mean, Nebraska, he's an asset. And I, I think we'll probably... As you, as you sift through this, we'll probably find out that, that maybe some things happen in the last couple of months of the season where, you know, your mind starts to drift. You don't have your regular head coach. You build a relationship. You know, and, and here's the thing. It's the same thing that happened with Ben Bramer, guys. Ben Bramer watches Scott Frost, who did a – you know, Scott Frost did a great job of getting Ben Bramer early, and I like Ben Bramer at Pierce. But 30 minutes after Frost was fired, Matt Campbell is on the phone. Okay, and so there's got to be other players on this roster that either directly or indirectly, when Scott Frost gets fired, there's teams that are starting to swoop in and say, hey, now, you know who's not in Lincoln anymore. And, and, and I, I think Ernest is probably one of those guys that, you know, he liked the stability, but he also may like a, 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 you know, a change of ed- address. But, yeah, those, those tweets are directly towards uh, number 15. And it's unfortunate, but it would spice up the rivalry uh, for Iowa and Nebraska. Gary Sharp with us. Sharpie, enjoy big sky country. Say hi to Beth Dutton for me. And uh, we'll uh, get caught up again next weekend. But thanks for a few minutes today. By the way, quick note. Um, if you are coming to Bozeman, and that's where I'm at, do not ask the locals, hey, what do you think about Yellowstone or Big Sky? <laughs> because you know why? Because since those shows started airing, more people have tried to move here, and you can tell the difference between the out-of-towners and the locals, and the locals aren't super excited about all of a sudden the out-of-towners coming into the state of Montana, i.e. the yeah. Yellowstone uh, uh, you know, plot line. Uh, for sure. Yeah, John Dutton for governor, right? Sharpie, be <laughs> safe, bud. Thanks for the time. Hey, thank you. There he is, Gary Sharp. Cranach, have a good weekend, and uh, we'll check in next week, bud. All right, fellas. Talk soon. There he is. Elijah will talk Monday at 4 on Hale Varsity. Thanks for listening. A Huda Media Production.